Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Group Leader Podcast. I'm Pastor Hayden, and with me, as always, is Pastor Evan. Hi. Hi. He's a little delayed, but that's all right. At Compass Bible Church, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything we do here at Compass, including this podcast, is to fulfill that mission of reaching, teaching, and training. All right, Pastor Evan, we were able to jump back into our sermon series uh, through the book of Matthew. We're back in Matthew. We're back in Matthew. And our current series this week, or this month, Preparing for Jesus. The Herald. The Herald. I love it. Why don't you read us the text that we went over today? And also, I did ask Pastor Hayden this week if we could sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And, and we didn't, it turns didn't. out. Yeah. We would have, but <laughs> we would have we would have had received more It's Christmas But the song. Herald Angel, same concept. There you go. Well, let me read out of Matthew 3, 1 through 6. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around the Jordan were going to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. All right, well, Pastor Hayden, uh, you had a very nice and simple, I mean, every sermon has a nice point to it, uh, but I just wanted to ask, what was the main thrust of your sermon this morning? Yeah, like John the Baptist, as we look at his life and his mission, our mission is much the same, and that is to proclaim the coming of Jesus, calling everyone to a biblical response to the gospel. And that's the main point. All right, but... Pastor, you you know this week we talked about this is going to happen, and then the first half of the sermon you explained who John the Baptist was, and if you want a refresher on that, life group leaders, I would I would encourage you to circle back to the sermon and and take you know, good diligent notes there. Uh, but Pastor, first question on that: Why do that? Well. There isn't, I would argue, that well, we don't know a lot about John the Baptist, other than the fact that every time we read the gospel, we have to get through his part of the, the gospel. Just move along, yeah, John. Before, yeah, before we get into the good stuff, quote-unquote. Jesus. And, uh, yeah, and, and so I'm like, you know, okay, there's there's a lot that the Bible talks about this John, and uh, I feel that if we wouldn't have talked about him, like a biography, if you will, of his his mission the as the messenger, his message... Uh, and his fulfillment of his mission, it had been hard to really pinpoint why we're talking about these six verses. So laying that framework and that foundation of who he is, why he came, I think also helped us understand uh, verses one through six a lot better as we went through the exposition of them. Okay, so then the next question for us life group leaders, what should we have ready at hand to explain to our life groups when it comes to John the Baptist? the podcasts <laughs> have your have your group listen to these podcasts where we kind of go into more depth about certain parts of uh, the sermons including this one we talk about john the baptist have them go through that to hear uh from us kind of what why we're what we need to talk about when it comes to john the baptist well since on the podcast we can get a little bit for you know deeper in aspects that we you know we didn't have time for on the sunday sermon mm-hmm. 
uh, one of the things that you and I talked about this week in one of your, you know, the, I want to say the pain, because it's just the struggle you're facing with the sermon was how much do you, how deep do you go? Right. And, you know, what is so significant between the difference between John the Baptist and Jesus, especially when it comes to baptism? Well, I mean, the message that they proclaim, although they are similar, they are also different. Uh, their baptisms are different, and we can talk about that. Uh, and I'll just tell you, like, as we'll go about it over the next couple weeks, but it may be something that comes up in your life group. Again, the John, the baptism of John was a baptism of repentance in preparation for Christ's coming. So there's people getting ready, and they did that through that uh, through baptism, which is a completely different baptism. They got pla- they were placed into water for a completely different reason than we're placed into water. I don't want to convolute your understanding by using the word baptism over and over again. But they were placed into water to, to as an outward expression of their pre- preparation for Christ. Uh, Jesus being baptized by John, also a different reason that he was placed into water, which we'll talk about. When he gets baptized. When he gets baptized. But that in and of itself is Jesus was being baptized to associate himself with sinners. And so who was getting baptized in that day? Sinners. And so Jesus, as he took on flesh and said, I have come uh, in place of sinful flesh, he was baptized as an outward sign of his association with sinners. There you go. And so therefore, the baptism... There's a third baptism. Ours. Is that what it was? Let's just focus on the next one that we talk about with Christ. There's more. There's a there's a good. Oh, I don't have to talk about that next one yet because it's not in the text right now. No. Okay. But you're doing good. Yeah. So the third baptism, obviously the ones that we do, that's three of five baptisms that are mentioned in Scripture, uh, at least water baptisms. So there you go. That that's. I hope I answered that. I think I just lost track of what I was saying. But yeah, I think that. Well, in summary, is the difference between Christ and sorry. Oh, John that's what we were Christ. talking about. Well, yeah. that's what it was. It's John was preparing for Christ, and then now what we do is we celebrate what Christ has done as we prepare for His Second return. Coming, yeah. And so that's the big one of the big differences with the baptisms. It's one was yeah. preparing. One is to show completion, right? And then his missional work was preparing, and then Jesus' right. missional work is completed, and right. now it's now it's a uh, go out and now go finish my job. No, right. not finish my job. Finish the work that I commanded you to do right. until I return. And there's also another uh, that I I do not know a ton about, but uh, the difference between this coming and this herald of John the Baptist as Elijah, and then the coming herald. When Christ comes back and the messenger of Elijah that's going to be uh, heralding when Christ comes in a second return that the Jews will accept and they will see and their eyes will be open because when John the Baptist came their eyes were closed and they uh, forsook Jesus and they and they turned from him but there's going to be another time in the future where uh, the herald the Elijah to come will herald the message Jesus will show up, and Israel will be ready for him. So that's a whole nother can of worms to open. What's well, open now? Uh, I'm crawling out. Yeah, but well, your leaders are going to hey, Pastor Hayden, can you tell me more about this? <laughs> yeah, but it just for us to know, like you know, there is a reason that we call it right now the Church Age because uh, it was in God's plan to have Israel reject 
the Elijah, that is John the Baptist, and Jesus, so that there would be an opportunity in the church age for the Gentiles to come. And then when this age is over, there will be another opportunity, again, that God will use to open the eyes of Israel through the Elijah to come and through Jesus' second coming when Israel's eyes will be opened and gathered together. Uh, but I, we just share that with you because I don't, maybe you have somebody in your group who knows that. Uh, or you might have people in your group who might ask a question. Like you might say, hey, Pastor Hayden mentioned there's a difference between the, this baptism and this. Right. I see repentance. It seems the same. Don't we proclaim a message of repentance? I think that's what John's doing. Right. But yeah. he's a repentance to prepare to meet, whereas yeah. Christ has already came now. He's saying, now repent and when, to get ready when I return. Right. So it's similar. So, yeah, yeah, there's just a lot of similarities there and a lot of unfulfilled uh, promises that are going to come in the future for Israel. And just think about it this way, that the church has kind of stepped into this space uh, that once the church age is over, once all of the, all of the Gentiles come to know Christ— uh, the the, con, the the continuation of God drawing Israel, which is what He was doing during John the Baptist, will also continue. All right. Well, with that, let's move on to the points of the sermon. Well, point mm-hmm. number one was to herald the return of of Jesus. And Pastor Hayden, you know, the importance of this is how um, John was heralding with urgency because he knew the Messiah was coming and. He, one, he also knew it was his cousin, which is kind of beneficial. But he knew the Messiah was coming, and he was preparing for it, and it, he came. Now, as Christians, even though it's been 2,000 years, and we don't know if it's another 2,000 or if it's tomorrow, Jesus' return can happen any time. And so how can we as life group leaders prepare our life groups to, you know, even though it's, it seems like, you know, it's, God has been slow, but he's not slow, as Second Peter talks about. How can we get our life groups to be you know, zealous and passionate and urgent with the you know, heralding of the return of Christ. Yeah, I think you said part of it. Second Peter 3, 9 is a good place to start. Uh, this literally, isn't that literally what it's, it's saying, that there are people, actually, no, what's the, what's the verse that talks about, that literally says not only is God not slow, but people, is it Hebrews? No, what's the verse that talks about uh, people... People say that oh well it's been so long and he hasn't come back. It is Second Peter chapter three. Is is, is this um, not three nine? No, it's three eight. Three eight. Are you sure? But do not over. No no no. That's not the thousand years and thousand years one day. Why? Because no, no, people no, no. are saying yeah. God hasn't come back. When is he coming? It's in chapter three. There's another one. There's another verse that. Anyway, uh, anyway, there's another verse. But the whole, that's the whole. That is the point, right? People are where is he at? Why hasn't he showed up? If he if he if this is what's going to happen, why hasn't why hasn't he yet? Well, because God is patient, wanting people to come to repentance. So uh, that God didn't tell us the time or day is so important because He wants us to live every day with an imminent view of His return. That it could be any day, and every day that we have until He comes back is a day of salvation for someone or for people. And so we ought to live that way, calling people. Uh, with compassion and with intelligence in a lot of ways to say, hey, Christ is coming back. He's coming. It says it very clearly. Get ready. Well, point number two was uh, for us to associate ourselves with Jesus. And you took this from how John the Baptist associated himself with the with the prophets and their messages as he declared God's message through him like the prophets mm-hmm. before him did. And this is something, a good focus that you had in your sermon. So the first question is, 
Uh, first, as life group leaders, how can we explain you know, clearly and concisely how John associated himself? Um, that's the first question. Yeah, I mean, read the text, because he did. I mean, if you understand the historical significance of what he was saying, what he was wearing, where he he was in the desert, which is where the where the prophecy had to take place. I mean, his location, his geography, his garb, that's my second G, and his... You're really trying hard. <laughs> I'm trying. What, what I need a word. Gabble, his gobbling, his words. <laughs> that couldn't come up with another G. Uh, all that had associated with who he was. And so, yeah, I mean, that's why that's important. Do you have a follow-up question? Because yes, I'd do. like to. Okay, go ahead. Because the follow-up question is all right. That's how we need to prove how John the Baptist associated himself. Yeah. So then, how is we as Christians associate in the way that he associated with the prophets? How do we associate ourselves with Christ? Well, what you guys really need to do, and I, I get it, that this is challenging even to you. It should be challenging to every one of us because we have all, in a way, misrepresented our association with Christ in some way by what we wear, what we say, where we go all those things. And so this is a real good application place. Excuse me. For uh for you and your group, be honest. You don't have to be perfect in this situation to be helpful. And what that means is don't, you know, don't uh, suppress this question. Don't suppress this part of the sermon. Really hash this out. Like, hey, if we really if we're really about Jesus, are we associating ourselves with him in the decisions that we're making in our lives? Where we go, what we do, who we hang out with, what we say, what we wear, what we're listening to on the radio, what we're watching on TV. Like, make sure that we're associating ourselves with Jesus in, in every way. So ask the hard questions. Uh, even create accountability in your groups. And maybe even start thinking, hey, what are some things we can do as a group that do associate well with Jesus? And what are some things we can do publicly to recreate, to have fun, to enjoy, that also would be pleasing to God. It is important when it comes to the message that we share that it, we live in association with Christ, His mission, and His message. All right, well, point number three was to invite people to rightly respond to Jesus, and you already addressed that you know, people. John's response was different than what our the the response that John called people to do is a little different than a little what we, bit. A what little we bit. do. Yep. Um, however, it's there's still a co- correct way to respond to uh, the message. Right. His message. There's a certain response, and our message message has a certain repo- response. And so, as life group leaders, how can we equip our life groups to help people do that call? Like, what do you do when you're maybe in the counseling office or you have an opportunity when you're out, out and about and the conversation leads to a gospel conversation? How have you practically called people to rightly respond? Well, when you lay out the gospel, a biblical gospel, it, it demands a response. Uh, we, you know, we also have the umbrella illustration, something we use when you're in a coffee shop. Uh, you know, I tell you, uh, and I know PE can talk a little bit about that in a moment, uh, but you know when it comes to the way that you communicate with people and you share the gospel, you have to use where God has placed you when it comes to sharing the gospel. I share the gospel with my family because they're lost, and I have that sphere of influence, uh, and I do that regularly. I share the gospel with people in counseling all the time. Now think about this. Well, he meets with people all the time. It is, but I can use counseling, and so can Pastor Evan, as an excuse not to share the gospel. Because, oh, I'm trying to help them with, you know, blank and blank and blank. I just, you know, I just, the gospel didn't come up. Well, bring it up. 
You know, and so when you're in the same way, well, you know, I had this meeting and, uh, you know, after that meeting, there was some time, but I just, I, there were some other things going on and I just didn't bring it up. Well, bring it up. You know, we, this is for us, it's like, first you got to bring it up. You got to bring up the gospel. You have to share a biblical gospel and you got to call people to respond biblically. And we have tools here that will help you do that, especially as life group leaders, you train other people. And now how can we go out in a way to to sometimes you know the encouragement is conviction how can we you know, gently but also you know exhort our life groups to ha- call people to repentance knowing that some of them are are not oh you mean people in the life group who may not be saved no the people in the or life group who who need to go share who, the gospel who need to go share the gospel how can we gently but yet you know, in exhortation to do so you know you know something that that really really works i mean obviously telling people but when you're doing it when you know, can you imagine your pastors not sharing the gospel with people? You'd find a church who isn't sharing the gospel with people. But I can't tell you over and over again the amount that we talk about sharing the gospel. And me and Pastor Evan have led a lot of people to Christ to the glory of God, right by the power of God. But we have been used as conduits to lead people to Christ. And you know what it does? It emboldens other people to do it. Now imagine, like, you know, I think of life group leaders that we have who led people to Christ and they got baptized in the last baptism service. Like, hello, that's both convicting and encouraging. Like, man, that's right. We need to be sharing the gospel. When you share the gospel, you empower other people to share the gospel. And when you don't share the gospel, you give other people... Or, uh, fleshly, earthly reasons why oh, I don't have to do it. My my life group leader doesn't even do it, so it must be okay if we all don't do it. All right. Well, then a couple more you know situations I think we can help counsel our life groups in. You know, what if it's like me? I told you the other day how I was at the register at a, <laughs> a bakery and opportunity to open my mouth for the gospel, and I didn't because it was, you know I was just thrown off by the awkward situation that it just it was pretty funny. Then afterward, I'm like, man, I had opportunity to bring up church, bring up what we shared, and I didn't because I was totally taken aback, and I felt ashamed and convicted as I should have. But how can we help the, those people in our life group who try and they fail to say, no, 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 remember grace upon grace, no, go back out and trust the Lord? Yeah, we, we realize that we're all going to fail, and we're all going to miss opportunities for uh, opportunities to share the gospel and invite people to respond to it. But, you know, that shouldn't be the norm in our life. Uh, it should be the exception. You know, yeah, you know, I've had the opportunity to share the gospel. And I did, I would, you know, and I've been doing it for a while here and there, you know, but, oh, man, today I ran into this situation like you ran into, and you didn't. Oh, man, that should convict you, and it probably convicted you because you made a habit out of actually doing it. And that's the thing. It's like a lot of people don't feel convicted about sharing because they just never do, and they never pray about it. They never uh, read scripture and what it says about us being prepared to give an, uh, an answer for the hope that we have. Uh, and so really a lot of that is us saying, no, this is, this is what the Bible teaches us to do. As life group leaders, you're doing it. Uh, and when they don't do it, yeah, man, this is, we, we all fail and we all miss the mark and grace yeah, and mercy. And you don't have to lose joy in your Christian faith because you missed an opportunity to share the gospel. It's an opportunity for you to say, miss that opportunity. Can't wait to capitalize on the next one. Well, fantastic. All right. Well, Pastor Hayden, um, I bet you have some life group leader training notes, but I'd like to put you on the spot real quick because this happens quite a lot in our counseling meetings. And I know about what happens in yours in in a certain aspect where when you're presenting the gospel, 
Um, I love for you to help us life group leaders. We know there's a moment when we're in life group, someone's talking, and we realize this person is not a Christian. So we take them out to coffee, we pull them aside after the night's over. And we're all right. I need to. I need to lay out the gospel. I need to sh- present the gospel. I need to kind of conv- right. I need to convince them that they're lost. Mm-hmm. Present the gospel and call them to repentance. So how how would you do it in a? How do you do it in the counseling room or in different situations? Ooh, which one do you want me to do? A life group situation or a counseling situation? Life group situation. All right. Well, we obviously we know that we have people in our life group who need to know Christ who don't, and so Kayla has actually seen a great need to reach out to her gals and. You know, she's made an an extreme effort to get to connect with all of her gals, some of which don't know Jesus. And uh, Kayla's led some of her gals to Christ, and she's meeting with more this week. And a lot of that is, okay, you know when people are in your life group, and, you know, they don't seem to have the Scripture illuminated by the Spirit in their life. Or, you know, you can definitely tell by the way they speak, you know, how they live, and a lack of a testimony, oh, they need to know Christ. ICE, I-C-E. You invited them, they're connected in life group, but you need to engage with them. And so I, I engage with our guys, and you know I've met with a number of our guys and have led them to Christ in our life group. And it is the engaging, meeting with them, talking with them, and bring it up. Hey, you know, I'd love to hear your testimony. I'd love, I'd, I'd love to hear... And, and again, it's like, okay, what is a testimony? A testimony is how God has come into my life to brought me to a moment of repentance and faith, and my life has changed because of Jesus. Now, a testimony isn't just, well, here's what's happened in my life, and here's how I think that I know more about God. You know, we can allow testimonies, any testimony in our life to be, okay, let's check the box, but make sure they have a biblical testimony. And when they don't, let's talk about it. What's the Bible say about that? And I, I do, there's always going to be a challenge in those, even if it's subtle. And I, I've, you know, had a recent conversation, and, you know, you kind of, like, challenge them with this, are you sure you're saved? But I didn't say it that way. But it is a challenge. Like, hey, have you considered? And and I know in your life you're going to feel awkward in your heart, or it's going to feel like, ooh, I could create conflict. Well, yeah, in, in a small way, but you create conflict with your spouse all the time. You create conflict with—and I'm not talking about bad conflict. I mean, you just pose questions that people should answer. You do this at work all the time. Well, how much more important is that to create a, a small amount of conflict of think about this? Have you thought about this in your testimony? Get people to think about it. I had a gal today in our uh, Exploring Compass who leaned over uh, during the break and said, hey, I'd love to meet with you uh, this week because you've challenged me over the last couple of weeks. And I'm thinking, am I a Christian? And she's like, I'd love to talk to you about it. And I know, it's like, well, you're the pastor. You get to stand in front of people all the time. I, yeah, but you get to stand in front of your life group more than I get to stand in front of your life group. And so... You know, as you are positioning yourself as the as the leader and the the disciple maker of your group, create opportunities for people to say, you know, what you said the other day really, really made me think, and I'd like to talk to you more about that. Exactly, and even had a gentleman come up to me today who said, "Hey, I need to talk to you because I don't believe I actually repented, and I've been baptized twice." And I'm like, "So what? What do I do?" I ask questions. I ask the question, "Well, why did you get baptized the first time?" He explains. Why did you get baptized the second time? He explains. Okay. Okay, what do you think the Bible is telling you what to do? And he explains. Like, all right, let's meet and talk about that. Right. And even in these meetings, it's asking these questions for the purpose of saying, okay, I'm going to help this person understand what the Scripture says. And right. what I love, uh, you know, something we do is using the parable of the soils and asking yeah. the question, what Which soil are you? are you? And it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Every single time thus far, 
they have been very honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, even with this gal I was talking to, you know, uh, I said, hey, you know, worst case scenario, there is no worst case scenario when it comes to whether or not you're saved. Best case scenario, both ways. Number one, either you realize you never were saved and you receive salvation in Christ by His grace and mercy, or other best case scenario. You have confirmation for your salvation. I mean, maybe you just have never, maybe you were saved and it's just, there's, it's never, you've never had a hard conversation or thought or, you know, work through that. And that's why the Bible says examine yourself. You should uh, work out your faith with fear and trembling, for it's God who wills and works in your life. Like, God wants us to, to wrestle through our testimony to have confidence and assurance in it, not to lose confidence in our salvation. Uh, so many people in our culture say, yeah, once you got saved, don't think about it ever again. It's like, no, Jesus wants us to think about our salvation all the time. And so, yeah, I, in, these, in these opportunities for you to even challenge people in their own testimony, it's like, great, tell them to think about it because we ought to think about that. For, for such were you, you know, is what the Bible says, right? Is it Peter? First Corinthians uh, Paul? 6. For such as for what is this? Oh, for such uh, for for such were some of you. Oh yeah, yeah. It's First Corinthians six. 11. Yeah, for us to say, you know, we were sinners, but Christ has died for us, and to recall your testimony uh, is an is an awesome opportunity for confirmation, and even perhaps for some people, an opportunity to realize that they've never been saved. They don't have a testimony. And if you ever receive pushback, to say, I, I don't see the benefit. Uh, no, I'm saved now. What's the benefit of knowing when? And it's like, okay, it's not about you. It's about you being able to worship God more and be able to Mm -hmm. help others understand how God saved you. Mm -hmm. And so you declare the gospel and show, hey, this is how it impacted my life. And so not about really them in the first place. It's about worshiping God and helping others. And and people, you know, the gospel is is sufficient, right? Sharing the gospel is sufficient. But when you can tear that into, tear that, what? When you can pair that with a, with a testimony of how God did that in your life, it becomes very poignant. It becomes very helpful, like our baptism testimonies, right? I mean, is it the end of the world if you can't pinpoint the moment of your salvation? Uh, No, but you really lose out on an opportunity for your testimony to be used to bring people to salvation. All right. Well, Pastor Hayden, I think that addresses actually all of our application question Mm -hmm. directions. Life group leaders, let's make sure that we push our groups to be applicators and not just commentators and that they we push them and encourage them to you know fill those out so that God can use it to right. you know build them up. Uh, Pastor, was there a resource this week or a resource that you know of that would be beneficial for us life group leaders? Well, we did have this gospel card that just came out that we just made. Linda had made it for us. Linda Cavadoy. Well, I shouldn't say. Linda had created it when the content existed, and she has made it a wonderful Compass Hill Country version. <laughs> there you go. Well, Linda Cavadoy, shout out to you. It, this is a great um, gospel card. It is the umbrella illustration, but it, it's all the Bible verses written out so that you can help uh, people see what the Bible has to say and then help encourage them to rightly respond when you're explaining it to them. Um, another book that a resource I have enjoyed is a book called Tactics. I'd recommend the 10-year anniversary of it by Greg Kolkel. And this is a helpful resource, really, to actually have a conversation. And it's knowing, if you know the gospel, great. He, his, this book will equip you to be able to have a conversation with different types of people. So that's where the, the best part of that book is how to have a conversation about the gospel with different people. All right, well, Pastor Hayden, you have some notes under our training for life group leaders? Yes, your ministry grid assignment, remember, I hope you are well in the middle of it, 
But the assignment is due next Sunday, so looking forward to seeing the results of all of your uh, time in your module. Uh, and so remember, next Sunday, when is that? Is when that is due. All right. Well, uh, Life Group Leaders, we only have a few announcements. Uh, we only have three this time versus the 15 that we've had in the past. <laughs> um, uh, ladies, remind your the ladies of your Life Group, there is a Women's Fellowship on the 28th at 9 a.m. Pastor Aiden, is there any notes on the Women's Fellowship they need to let their groups know about? Um, about your group. <laughs> I don't know. Were you setting me up for something? I was setting you up, okay. I guess. I don't know. Is there anything they need to know? Well, just know that there's going to be a recap. There'll be food. Yes. I think it's potluck, so reach yep. out to Kayla or Candace about that. And um, also, there'll be you'll be meeting throughout the entire building after the recap. Yeah, for, you will be assigned an area for your life group. All right. Well, also, life group, I really, I'm encouraging my life group to do this. I would encourage, encourage you to encourage your life group to join us on the prayer night on the 29th uh, from five to six. And uh, I'd love for this to be the most attended uh, prayer night ever. And hopefully those after are highly attended because we just, I was reading through the prayer cards again. I'm like, wow, look at that prayer answer. Look at that prayer answer. Look at that. Look at that. We're almost answering this prayer. We're almost answering this prayer. And God's been so good and love for us as a church to commit to praying. And so, um, Pastor, any, any notes that you, am I missing on the prayer night? Nope, that is all good. We are excited to join together every month this year in corporate prayer. Well, I'm excited. I know, Pastor Hayden, you are excited, especially for February 5th. What is happening then? We have our serve team training. We're going to be together with all of the people at our church who are on a serve team, not just leaders, every single person. Everybody. And we are going to train the church on how we can better serve the Lord uh, in 2023, and how we're focusing on training our people uh, for Christ, and then we what we can look forward to in 2023 when it comes to what we hope and expect God to do this year. All right, guys, we're so grateful for you. We love you. We look forward to seeing you this next week. Uh, if you need anything, never hesitate to reach out to us. We'll see you soon.